0: Hello curious trail runners and welcome to Beyond DNF. I'm your host CTS coach Adam Ferdinandson. And today we are joined by Christopher Reinhardt and coach Neil Palace. Chris is actually an athlete I worked with for a while in early in 2023. And as you will hear in this podcast, fitness wasn't exactly his limiting factor and what we came to the conclusion of was I just didn't have the tools to really provide the, the help that he needed at that time. But since then, he's had some breakthroughs and found success while also targeting future goals that I'm excited to talk about. Our co-host, Neil Pallas, is well known for his ex- expertise as a mental health professional in both a therapy and performance setting. So he's the perfect guide for this conversation. As always, if you'd like to be on, send me an email at beyonddnf at gmail.com and we'll get you on. But without further ado, I'll let you all enjoy the show. Chris, if you don't mind telling us just a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, so um, I've been running for about 18 years, almost, kind of on and off. Um, I have a six-year-old, an eight-year-old, married, and uh, by day, I am a financial advisor. Um, So that gives me uh, quite a bit of flexibility where I I can make my own schedule. Um, And I work kind of odd hours, so I can kind of fit my runs in where I want. Um, It helps me best to juggle the, uh, be a good father, be a good runner and be a, you know, run my financial services practice. So having that, that flexibility has been, uh, has been great in terms of fitting in my training and making sure I come into races pretty well prepared.
0: All right. And what kind of races do you like to do and what have you done in the past?
1: Uh, that's an interesting question. So I'm still finding the races that I like to do. Historically, there's been a 12-hour race here that I've done several times. Um, Arguably, you can't really DNF a 12-hour race, uh, but I've definitely DNF'd my goals uh, several times at that race. The goal was always to hit 50 miles. I hit that once, and then I came back last year to do it again. I don't maybe it was last year, I don't know. Um, not last year, maybe the year before, but I was like sick and I was just I called it. I was gonna do 50 miles again and I called it at that. So I have since wrote that race off. Um like I have nothing else to do there. Uh last year I did another local race. Um a 50 miler there. I did my first hundred last year. Uh this year's a pretty fully loaded year. I'm signed up for uh the Orca Island fifty, the Marquette fifty in the UP of Michigan. Uh, I'm signed up for Kettle Moraine hundred and hennepin hundred. So I've got a pretty full, pretty full agenda this year. Um, and I'm I'm really I'm excited for it.
2: So All right, I'm figuring like out what I love, I guess. I love that schedule. <laughs> it sounds awesome. Yeah. Should yeah, I think you've got
0: a fun year signed up there.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 really uh, excited for it. I don't know if I would do 4 again. We'll see how it goes, right? You know. If I could be like, "Hey, next year I want to do 6." Who knows? I've I've never been tired of running, so this this could challenge that.
0: Well, cool. I do want to so you have a bit of a good story of you've had a couple DNSs and some DNFs. Um and then recently you've had a kind of a kind of a great run of success at um I believe a fifty mile and then up to a hundred mile. Um and I'd like to hear kind of your story on that, and then I'll let Neil drive to the extent that he wants to and we'll kind of dive into the rest.
1: Yeah. So I've I've always had this kind of weird um I don't know if it's a lack of confidence or when my mind goes somewhere, it goes to extremes. So, and this, this really only happens like when I'm running. So I could be out running in the cold and I could be getting like, you know, you park your truck at the trailhead or your car at the trailhead and you get out there a ways and then I'm like, oh, I'm a little cold. And then my mind will automatically go to, you're going to freeze to death and die out here. And so it kind of goes into this weird fight or flight. And so in some of the the runs I've had, like I'll feel a a pain in my chest, which is definitely not a heart attack, right? I'm in my thirties, I'm healthy. Um, It's most likely probably fatigue for having ran six hours or five hours or whatever the case may be. Uh, But my body, I will then go into this kind of fight or flight mode. Um, And it, you know, the further out you get in a trail, the more... Reoccurring, these things uh, have become, and so one of my good running buddies has said multiple times, he's like, you know, you 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 generally come into every race the best trained out of the two of us, and then this like this just happens to you, um, and I have found the more I've talked about it, the more I've been able to find strategies or the better I feel about it, and so early last year I was like, well. Um, I did a, I did the Lakeland 50, um, in 2021, I believe 2022. Um, and I DNF'd at mile 34 of 50. Um, it was still a great experience. and I learned a lot. That was my first time doing like a real kind of mountainous hilly run. And then I was signed up for, uh, run bums quest for the crest, uh, early last year. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to repeat what happened in England. I flew all the way to England to run this race. I DNF'd. I didn't want that to happen again. And so I thought, well, I should probably look into a coach and a psychologist. And so I started working with uh, Adam um, as a coach. So, um, And I started working with a psychologist. Um I've i never been to a psychologist, and I would say uh, the the person I started with was definitely not helpful. Um, I didn't get the tools or strategies that I needed. Uh, working with Adam was was great. I started. Um, I've always been kind of a zone three runner. I'll just go out and run zone three and just keep adding miles every year. Um but one of the things I was concerned about was like hydration, right? so, as you go to these flight or flight things, it's like oh am I have do I have enough water? Have I taken on too much water um and Adam really helped me narrow in on the uh the sodium right the electrolyte mix, so to make sure my my mix is good um so I felt pretty good going to North Carolina ish I had some moments, um but when I got there. And we went to like packet pickup. We're looking up at the mountains that we're going to run. And I'm like, I I was completely unexcited. Like there was nothing at me that excited about that. And, you know, run bum, um, probably a great guy, but he purposely puts out videos like you can die during this, during these runs, which is, for Um, me, uh, was definitely not what I needed. And so I was like, I, I was texting my wife. I was like, "I don't think I want to do this." Uh, blah blah blah. Um, and my wife is the, the one could probably categorize her as too supportive of my running. Um, but so the morning of the race, we all get up. It's like three a.m. And so there was eight of us down there. I think that were doing this run. We all get up. Everybody's getting ready, and I'm just like, "Guys, I'm not running." So complete. Like mental collapse. A few of them probably thought I was, a few of them definitely thought I was joking. Um, But I didn't end up running the race. They all left. Um, And so I just, I was stuck at the house at 4 a.m. kind of by myself. Like, man, like I, this is, that was, this is, that was my first and only DNS. And I mean, talk about like a right up to the wire complete collapse um so i was just like it was it was a tough day i ended up i went to the finish line and i kept running up the trailhead and i was running the guys in like when i would find someone i would run them down a little bit and then i'd be like go get the finish line you deserved it there was one of the guys had like his training had just blown up he had back problems and he came in you know he he was really one could say maybe not even trained at all. And he finished and it was just it was great to be there for them and and help support them. Um but like after I got home it was like you know, am I a runner? Right? Am I really an ultra runner? Like in so much of if if you run these things, you spend so much time doing them, it's a lot of your self identity. You know, that's who I am. I'm an ultra runner. Um so I it was It was tough. I did at like 6 a.m. I took a picture of myself, like in my despair in North Carolina. And I was like, I've saved that photo because I'm like, I never want to, I never want to experience that again. And so I talked to my wife afterwards. And I was like, all right, if I am a runner, I am going to fix this. Um, And at that time, I left coaching with Adam because I was like, I got to figure this out. Like, like there's no point in having a coach if I can't, if I can't start a race. Um, And that was, I just had to do some inner soul searching there. Uh, But I told my wife, I said, okay, I got to figure this out. I'm going to do, I'm going to do 350 milers between now and the end of the year. And I'm going to, that's going to prove to myself that I'm a runner. I can do this. I'm going to figure it out. And so, because Adam helped me with the hydration aspect, I know I had to concentrate on that. Um, I I found what I, I signed up for. Um, it's called Wicked Worm, which is a twelve-hour local race. Then I signed up for Midwest Everest, which you run up and down a ski hill for fifty miles to get half of the climb of Everest. There's also the full Everest, which is a hundred miler, twenty-six thousand feet of climb, or whatever. And then I signed up for Cloud Splitter. So and these were kind of supposed to build on each other. So the local one was just a 12-hour on a local trail. And then the other one was a 50-miler with, you know, much a lot more climb. And then the other was Cloud Splitter, which is kind of off in the woods. And I was like, okay, I will slowly step back into this, prove that I can do this. Um, And so that was the plan. Oftentimes when I would enter a race, like if something went wrong, I'd be like, I blew it. That's it. Like it would put me off course. Um, and I gave myself a lot more grace and was like, all right, figured out. Like this is going to suck. Figure it out. I engaged another psychologist and he has been uh, amazing. Like he's like trying to dive deeper. Like what causes this when you're feeling this way? Um, so I did the one local 50 uh 50 miler, wicked worm, and I was gearing up to train for um the Midwest Everest one. And a few of my buddies, I I got we were trying to plan next year's race, the same guys I raced with. And i I was like, hey, we should get together and vote on this race. So one of the guys throws out Madeira, go run at Madeira for. T- for 2024. And we were all like let's write that off. That's that's stupid. That's not going to happen in 2024. And then one of the guys was like we should do that in 2025. And we need these stones. And we can acquire these stones at IT 100. So it was kind of like one person signs up for IT 100 and it just kind of snowballed. And I'm like, well, shoot, like that's not off in the woods. I've always wanted to. I've always been infatuated with Sparts Athlon. And I was like, well, maybe I go run IT 100 and scrap these other two 50 milers and um, see if I like these things. Because I told my wife I was never interested in running 100 miles. So it snowballs and I signed up for IT 100. Um, And it just. uh, The first the first, I don't know if you, if you saw anything about that race this year, but like the first six hours, it was just raining and terrible. And, uh, my heart rate was going crazy on my watch. I was like, there's no way this thing can be right. But from a fight or flight standpoint, I was like, chill, chill. Um, and, uh, so I took the watch off cause it was showing like 170, 180 heart rate. And I put it back on and then it's like for the next like hour and a half, it's like 75 heart rate, even though I'm running, I was like, this is useless. Why do I even, um, so it's, it's four 25 mile laps. Um, it was, the trails were muddy and disgusting. Um, and I ran the, the three of the three of the four laps, the last three with my friend, um, And it was, I carried this little, uh, I don't know if you've, if you've followed Ryan Holiday, he's the daily stoic. He's wrote some books. Um, so I bought, I had, I've had one of his coins for like four years, um, about the four stoic virtues. And I kind of had this, this thing in my head about like, you know, I have the experience, I have the knowledge, like just trust yourself. Don't jump to conclusions. And so on a with some fabulous volunteers, the best volunteers I've ever seen, ever experienced. The most disgusting and delicious ramen noodle with mashed potatoes in it. Uh, <laughs> I, I was, I was able to complete it. I, I don't know. Um, I don't remember it being as. I a hundred miles wasn't as hard as I thought it would be, and that might just be me looking back at it. But even after that, I, I said that, and I was like. Um, I don't remember being that hard, but I know at like when I was starting like just 60 miles or so into it, I ran in, I saw my wife and I, I, I don't remember feeling this way, but I remember saying to her, this is, this is really hard. And, uh, but we kept going and when we were coming around the last loop, it was, uh, we were going to do like a, we were going to walk from mile 88, me and my buddy. Um, and we ended up walking a little sooner. And so when we got to this checkpoint, I was freezing cause we had walked so much. And I was like, if my, cause I told my wife, I was like, you need to have this backpack with you at all times. And as we were getting to that aid station, I was like, if she's not there, like I'm out, like I'm so cold. I was like shivering. Uh, but she was there, she was there and we persevered and it was, uh, it was great. Um, I don't know if I would have been able to to do it alone. You know, because I had someone there. Um I guess it's kind of like having a pacer but like another buddy of ours did the thing like almost entirely solo by himself and I just it just I have so much respect and give him so much credit for doing that. Through the night um but yeah, you talk about a year last year that went from like started as a complete and utter failure. And then we got here, so I don't know
0: cool, well, yeah, Neil, I'm sure you have thoughts on that, so let's let's oh, hear
2: it. But, you know I mean, so I want to dive into a lot I want to dive into a lot of things I mean, you know I've got questions as far as what well let me start here is is one thing you know I heard at the end there was you know having your wife there, I don't know if I could' have done it without her. And I, I actually, I just posted something on Instagram, social media the other day on Resilience. But one of the things that we forget about a lot it, it, to be resilient needs social support, you, you know, having support from others. You know, we could have, you know, yeah, there's these folks that, you know, David Goggins it, you know, and go, you know, I'm going to do this on my own. And there's no, but even Goggins has support. You know, even Goggins mm-hmm. will tell you that you know, you know, a team of seals—they're all working together. They're, yeah, they're all supportive of each other. And yeah, there's you know, there's folks who will do these ultras and do them alone. That's it's great, but they're still getting support at the aid stations. They know how to utilize the volunteers, and so. Yeah, that's, I mean, that to me is, yeah, your wife's there. Yeah, that's, you know, that's that social support. That's that resilience that, you know, that's uh, being brought in there. My question is, is what, what tools did you get over the last year, you know, between, uh, you know, the race where you didn't start and, and this race, what tools, what mental skills did you learn? that kind of helped you go through that. And I, you know, I know this race was a little different. You said this wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't mountainous, uh, but what, what, what did you bring with you that, that helped? You know, you mentioned the stoic stuff, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, what about that and what else?
1: Yeah. So, um, it's a great question. Um, one of the things is, you know, it's talked a lot about with addiction, but like, mental rock bottom like after I didn't start that race it was like mental rock bottom like there was no if you've seen the movie up you know I think he says in there there's no place to go but up right like I had there was one direction like I was at rock bottom and I was like I'm not dealing with that again um so I just when I would have those moments like during IT I felt a tightness in my chest and I'm like "Ah, I've you know I've experienced this before instead of being like oh my gosh right it's like so the, the stoic coin i, I carried the whole 100 miles in the back zipper pocket of my shorts i thought i lost it after the race and pretty much had a heart attack like i was like i need that coin um mm-hmm. but so the four the four stoic virtu- virtues are wisdom courage justice and temperance and so i wrote i wrote down in a journal i was like okay wisdom i have like i have the knowledge right like i've run 50 miles before i'm not i'm not a fool i've been running for 18 years like I know what I'm doing and if something comes up I'll figure it out and like during my wife came down later in the day and like I was running the first 25 mile loop because I was like I'm not bringing poles but there was so much mud I like I'm running on the course I'm calling her and I was like hey when you come down grab every pair of running shoes I have because I wasn't really planning on changing shoes I was like grab my poles um and so you know I was improvising um So another one is is courage, you know. And I was like, I can do this, right? Like, even if I have to walk it out, like I'm like I'm pretty confident. I'm, you know, I'm running two thousand miles a year for the past few years or so. Like, I can do this. I know I can do this. Um, Temperance is kind of like the scales. Like, don't overdo anything. Arguably, maybe I have a running problem and I overdo that, right? As an ultra runner, Um, but to me, in my mind, that was Don't leap to conclusions. And so um, like, hey, you have a you have some tightness in your chest, let's run 10 miles and see how it goes. Right. Um and and injustice is a kind of a really hard one to explain, but you know, I'm you know, to me that's kind of like karma, right? Like the karma of the universe, and it's like you, you do good things and good things happen to good people, and um, you know, I think the world is a just place and if you I I don't even really know how to explain that, but I just kind of went with it. And I was like, I, I've done good things. Like this is, this is an opportunity. I don't know. That was the hardest one that I could actually articulate something to. And I was like, you know what? I just got to focus on the others.
2: Yeah. 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 I I love it. I mean, all of it leads to this, uh, you know, self-confidence, self-efficacy where, you know, using that, you know, the coins using that self talk. Hey, wait a second. I got this. You know, even when you were experiencing some chest pain, it's ah, I know what this is. I'm okay here. I, you know, I can keep going. Having that knowledge, you know, you're able to sit back and reflect and develop that knowledge and develop that efficacy that, you know, wait a second. You know, I've been doing this for a while. I'm competent outdoors. And, you know, even if I get cold, or you know hot or get blisters or my stomach churns whatever I'm gonna yeah. be able to deal with it I'm gonna be able to deal with this discomfort um, and you know I know our minds are really good at coming to conclusions and our, our minds mm-hmm. are designed to protect us and what we're doing in ultras is a um, it's an extreme sport <laughs> you know it's, yeah. it is it is pretty wild to be running hundreds of miles and, you know, we'll, you know, uh, you know, I saw your training schedule, you know, you're running, you're going to be running 15 miles a week. I mean, that's a lot. And our minds ultimately are designed to protect us. And we're overriding the system a little bit. So there's always this, you know, when our brains are like out there, it's trying to protect us. It's like, okay. And sometimes, you know, when, you know, we're hungry, tired, exhausted, it's, it's almost on rapid fire where it's like yeah. I don't know if did you notice that? You know, it's like, oh yeah, you know, it gets more intense that way. And Yeah. It, you, yeah.
1: One of the things that I think I, I've struggled with too, and I, I'm sure other people have, is if you have young kids, it's like, is being in the woods for the next twelve hours really the best use of my time? And um uh, but like when I was running in Indiana, I was like, today's today's my day. Like I'm selfishly taking the day and I am going to it, it, I'm just going to enjoy the day. Like I, and the other thing I, I came in and kind of tied justice to was, like, gratitude. And I like, I made sure when I saw my wife, every time I was like, thank you for being here. And when the volunteers helped out, I was very thankful to them, too. And I, I, I cannot say enough great things about the, the volunteers at Weber Aid Station 2023 IT. Huge shout out to those guys. Uh, they, were, they were amazing. I would like to shake each and every one of their hands.
2: That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I, and I know, you know, Chris, you know, I work with a lot of, uh, you know, guys who have young kids and, uh, you know, both in, you know, you know, whether it's here or therapy practice. And I know that that's something people struggle with. It's like, ah, you know, kind of this guilt. And I, I had a young daughter when I first started doing these, it's was really young. And there is this, and you're out, you know, in the mountains for, you know, ten hours a day, and then you're, you know, out here you're stuck in traffic for ten hours a day getting back from the mountains, um, and it's, you know, and there's overwhelming, and, and it, you know, some of that, you know, the guilt also can turn into anxiety. Like, I really need to be doing this. So, yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious. I mean, what you know, if you're if you're if you're willing to share this, you know, if not, that's okay too. Um, you know, is what from your know, psychologist, your therapist that you're working with, was there a specific tool that you got from them that said, okay, you know, or maybe you took you, maybe you talked about that already. Um, but was anything particular that you got from them that you found helpful you know, specifically in this race and going forward? Um,
1: it was, uh, he kind of took me down a, a few different paths. Um one that comes to mind was just like, we, we talked about, you know, like he's like, so I was like, cause I was like, okay, so let's say I'm out in the mountains and I, and I died. Like, aren't I the jerk? Like I didn't need to put myself out there. Like I chose to go out there and then I died. Now my kids don't have a dad. And he was like, you know, you drove, you drove here, didn't you? And you, like, you look at the statistics on that stuff, like driving is more dangerous than running an ultra. Um, and so just talking through a lot of that, I talked to him about the things I had journaled about with, with the Stoic Virtues, um, that was good. Um, and then one of the things it was, it was more like an exercise, but we went through, um, like all the things that could go wrong in IT at, at the hundred miler. It's like, okay, how are you going to deal with that? Right. And just like talking that out, like, oh, yep, yeah, it's going to suck. And I came in there with that mindset. And just in talking with him, I was like, hey, that day is going to suck. And just coming to some conclusions, like something's going to go really, really wrong. Right. When you're running 100 miles, something's going to go wrong. Right. And so yeah. you just have to be like, instead of saying leaping to conclusions, he helped me. He helped me to, like realize how I leap to these conclusions. Like there's no middle ground for me. It's really weird because no other aspect of my life is like this. Um, but he helped me realize that this is what I was doing. And so by being able to be like, by being able to recognize that and say, whoa, slow down, right? Like we're not completely off course. Let's let's reel it in, right? We can adapt to any situation out there. Um, I think some of those those tools were the best in him, like walking through an exercise where you know, you close your eyes and he's like, all right, you know, like you're lost in the woods. What are you doing? And so you kind of work through that and you have that artificial experience that can help you say, okay, wait, I've, I've experienced not this, but maybe something similar. Yes.
2: Yes. You know, and, and, and kind of going back to that idea of efficacy or confidence, you know, having yeah. uh, those imagery experiences you know, and this is, you know, one of the reasons, you know, so I don't know, you know, what Adam told you about me is I'm a therapist and I'm also a mental performance coach and I'm also coach, coach. And so I kind of have all my hats in all these worlds. And so one of the tools that's really helpful is doing that kind of imagery. I was like, okay, no, no, I could deal with this. That builds efficacy, you know? Yeah. Looking and reframing it as well, yeah, you know it's it's you know much more dangerous driving, you know, you know, oh yeah, of, you know I thought I you know, thought about that the other day skiing. I was like, oh this is you know oh you know, and I'm coming home and there's an accident right in front of me, you know, and it's like yeah that's that's you know that's that reality and uh, but it reframes it. It's like okay, you yeah. know but you are also reframing that you're capable, you know, you're very right. capable. And you know, and that's you know, that's one of the most powerful things I'm hearing here is like, okay, wait a second. Yeah, you know, you could experience these sensations inside. You could experience these thoughts, you know. And once we start to reframe them and just come back to right here, right now, which um, I you know, I, I think you kind of got at a little bit there um, with one of the virtues. You know, is, yeah. I'm right here right now and yeah you're gonna have some rough moments but you're you're able to move through that and you've already visualized that you already know that I can do this. yeah
1: and one, that- one of the other things was connecting like those thoughts with what your body's going through so what i would have a tendency to do is like i would have that thought and then i'd go into flight mode which means you know so i'm like worried about something then i'm i'm uh Subconsciously picking up my pace, making it worse. So then then now I'm now I'm now I'm in the woods. I think maybe I'm lost. Now I'm getting tired because I'm running faster than I I'm supposed to be. And I said, Well, I don't even have the energy, right? So it's just like it snowballs, and now to be able to kind of stop that cycle right. has been pretty instrumental.
2: That's awesome. That's a, it's a snake biting its tail, right? You yeah. know, it's like, you know, you feel the sensation of the, you know, your heart. You know getting racing or something's wrong and now you get a little more amped up you start moving faster and it's like wait a second wait a second you know and now you're cutting the thought off coming back to where you are at and 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 just able to focus on that that's that's awesome I, i i love i love i love it that people are hearing this because i honestly chris it is you know super common for a lot of athletes to experience, you know, and a lot of athletes won't talk about it, won't, you know, won't discuss that. And um, I think once, you know, and I I love that you you came to this conclusion too, that, you know, you said you hit rock bottom. Sometimes we, you know, know, whether it's substance abuse or, you know, anxiety or depression, it's like, okay, I got to do something about this. I got to get some help. And, uh, you know, you have one therapist that was that ah, you know, and you have another therapist, you know, and, and really it's, you know, a connecting with the right therapist. You know, there's so many different modalities and so, so many different styles out there. I mean, people could do the same modality and it's just like, there's just different styles. Everyone's unique and everyone's different. And you connect just like you connect with Adam. You know, you could, you know, there's some coaches that you wouldn't connect with and, um, you know, and that. Sounds like that has been a, a real powerful experience for you, and really helpful, uh, and guiding you to these to these adventures, these races, doing what you want.
0: Yeah. Neil, I wanted to ask you about that. On, you know, I think people have this experience with doctors, PTs, coaches, but I haven't thought about it as much in the <laughs> mental performance or just overall <laughs> mental space. Of you find a a psychologist or a therapist in if it's not the right fit, are they necessarily doing a bad job or is it important to shop around and make sure you do feel that click and they could be great. It's just it's, not exactly the right match for you.
2: You know, and it, it's two sides. Um, so sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's not that they're doing a bad job necessarily. No, you know, there are, I've worked, you know, I worked in behavioral health, uh, for a large insurance company for a long time, and, and I have the option, the opportunity to see that there's a lot of therapists out there that aren't that good. Um, and then there's a lot of therapists that are good, and it's just not a good fit. Um, and sometimes you do you do definitely have to shop around. I I know as a therapist, I you know have like a free 15-minute consultation, and one of the reasons, the biggest reason for that is people get to know me a little bit. You know, they get to hear my style, how I talk to, and that can help tremendously, you know, as far as, okay, this is someone I can relate to, this is someone who gets it, you know, and and that's, you know, and I try and put myself out, you know, in the ultra running space, you know, in the running space, because I know that at least, you know, I kind of have an idea what's going on out there, (laughs) you know, but yeah, absolutely. So yeah, there's some that, you know, maybe not the greatest some that are, you know, just not a good fit, you know, it's just not a good fit. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, and that's why it's, I think it's invaluable. Hey, if you're not getting, you're going to a therapist, you're not getting what you need. It's okay. And that therapist should be okay. I let people get, Hey, yeah, absolutely. Shop around, go, go find somebody that a better fit because that is going to help you. More than anything, more than any technique that therapist has, any modality. You now, some people argue with me their modality is the best. But, you know, no matter what, it, it is that connection with that therapist that is going to drive, you know, you feeling better, you know, and, and getting those skills that you need. You're more uh, accepting of, of those tools, too. So that's I think
1: it's. I think it's kind of like when I was looking for a coach and I signed up at CTS, right? Like you get, I had two phone screens set up with Adam and someone else. And after I talked to Adam, I, I, I actually canceled the next one because I just felt like I had a really great connection with Adam. And I was like, this is, this is the coach for me. But I think, mean, you know, you guys do that intentionally at CTS to make sure that the coach is the right fit and probably the same is true with a psychologist or a doctor.
2: Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes a mistake people make is um, they think of it more as a purely technical profession, whether it's coaching or the mental uh, side that we're talking about, where you think of it like getting a mechanic. As long as they understand my uh, Honda Civic, they'll be able to fix it well. Um, But I think relationships (laughs) are a huge part of it and what makes it effective. Um, So you got to make sure that's there. I mean, having a nice mechanic is always cool, but it probably matters a lot less uh, then, you know, necessarily the relationship and the buy-in that comes from that when you're working with someone.
2: Right. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that comes to mind is, you know, people, you know, yeah, they'll look for the, oh, this you know, this is the, you I heard this is the best psychologist in the world or, you know, best therapist in the world, you know, and, you know, and, you know, and my buddy saw this person and, you know, I saw him on Dr. Phil on, you know, whatever. They, and they'll go to this person mm-hmm. and it's just not a good fit. you know, And, you know, and people, and then they go. And what happens is people internalize that and they blame themselves. Well, I'm not getting it. I'm not learning this. this it's something about me. And it's really just not the therapist, not them. It's just the connection, you know, and, and how it's like any educator, you know, or any doctor. It's how that information is being communicated, you know, and how, you know, they're relating to. You. And so that I think, you know, more than anything, so if you're out there shopping, you know, don't look necessarily for the five gold stars. So just, just throwing that out there.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> well, I do want to transition now to some of the more nuts and bolts side of things because you have a goal of getting into Spartathlon and what that requires from what I was seeing online is you need to run a hundred miles in under 21 hours. Am I correct?
1: Uh, or, or I could run it in under 1545 and get automatically entered. But, um, to be real, <laughs> uh, I would, mm-hmm. if, if I even had the, it would be just such a, uh, huge achievement if I could run sub 21 and be, have the opportunity to enter the lottery. So I, I, I don't like taking the easy way into anything. And so I chose Kettle Moraine and Kettle's not like a super hard one, but it's also not Hennepin. Right. Which is like, right. Right. So I signed, the only reason I signed up for Hennepin this year was because, um, if you signed up for Hennepin, you were guaranteed a spot in Kettle.
0: Oh, Um, interesting. Okay.
1: Kettle sells out real quick. Um, so I wanted to make sure that I could get into Kettle, um, but I figure also, like, hey, if, if I don't hit that 21 hours, like, I could have another go at Hennepin, which should be much more achievable, theoretically. But I'd, I'd ideally like to qualify at a little, something a little more exciting.
0: Yep. And so for the listeners, I think you got 25 and a half hours, am I correct, at a IT?
1: Yeah, right around there. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, shaving five hours off a hundred. It's a piece of cake, right, guys? <laughs>
0: Easy. No worries. worries. It was muddy conditions. Um, (laughs) your first hundred, a lot of times with the first hundred, that's the easiest you'll ever be able to shave off time. Um, but I do want to get a quick recap on some of the more logistical aspects of that race, uh, and where you feel time might be able to be shaved off. Cause we talked a lot about kind of your headspace during it, but I want to hear more about you know did you get nauseous dehydrated um cramping all that sort of stuff
1: uh,
0: uh
1: so i really didn't despite adam's excellent coaching on uh, uh nutrition i really didn't go into that with much of a nutrition plan i was like oh i'm just going to eat a lot right <laughs> and i was running with this lady uh in I only ran with her for maybe 5 minutes and it was on the first loop and she's like I was like, I don't know how it came up. She was like, is this your, you know, have you done 100 before? And I was like, no, never. And I was like, have you? And she's like, oh, this is like my 10th or something. I was like, oh. I said, "You do you have any advice for me? And she said, don't stop eating or you won't be able to start again. And I was like, I've never heard that. And I was like, sounds good. Um, so that probably saved the day. Um, I ate... Little Caesars pizza still didn't taste good, I will say, but I ate so many. They Somebody mixed the mashed potatoes with the ramen noodle, and I ate that like all day. Um, I never Interesting. Felt, I, I, yeah, love, it, I love it, was stuff. It was <laughs> so disgustingly amazing.
2: Um,
1: it works. It works. I haven't so had I it since, but I would eat it again at another run. Um, I had to use the bathroom a lot after mile 75, Right. And I remember mm-hmm. I got to the, like, the last aid station and I need to use the bathroom again. And I'm like, th- th- it's at schoolhouse. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go into that warm schoolhouse and I'm going to use the bathroom and it's going to be a nice break. And he's like, no, you actually have to run across the street to the other aid station and go use the portage john because the school is locked. It was very deflating, uh, but I, I yeah. probably had, I had to use the bathroom like five or six times. So I know if I fix that, that will shave time off. And then we, we were, me and my buddy were stopping um, to pee a lot in that last 15 to 20 miles. And I'm like, am I overhydrated? Like, how did this happen? I didn't feel like it. And I remember I got to one aid station when I was freezing. And I told my wife, I was like, you gotta, you got to fill my water bottles. And she pulls them out. And like I had, like they were almost full. And I was like, huh. But I never felt like I was mentally out of it. But I felt like I was, I was using the bathroom quite a bit. Um, so I had a little bit of GI, but like, my stomach was never upset. Nothing like that.
0: Did you feel that the total amounts that you were um, eating were pretty decent?
1: Oh, the, the volume I thought was pretty mm-hmm. spot on. Um, I, I thought I was going to use a lot of my nutrition. But in the end, I used just so much aid station food um, grilled ham and cheese. I mean, really, it was just the, the ramen noodle, mashed potato was really, I was eating that everywhere. And once someone did it once every aid station, I'd be like, could you throw some mashed potatoes in there? That's delicious. Um, I thought the volume was good.
0: Well, in part of the GI distress, it might, you know, it's hard to sit back and say exactly what it was. Um, but one thing that you can control there is training specifically with the foods that are going to be at the race. And I know I'm guilty as anyone that that kind of goes out the window in the middle of a race, but really find some options like that. Um, if you know, there's going to be mashed potatoes at the next race, then prep some the night before your long run, it could be just a symptom of your body's not used to processing this specific nutrition, um, since it is a pretty specific thing. Um, you know, to the best of your ability and have things like that, that you can lean on, you know, sometimes I'll have my crew making ramen, um, so that no matter what race I'm at, I know that I have that ramen and I've kind of trained with it as well.
1: Well, and when I was cold, I drank a full cup of coffee. I'm sure that didn't do me any favors, you know?
0: Right. Well, I mean, caffeine's always great. Um, so maybe it balanced out a little bit. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I I, yeah, I know for myself, I've had similar stuff go on during races as far as urinating a lot, Yeah, you know, and, um, you know, still trying to get on top, top of it. You know, part of it might be, you know, it tends to happen later, you know, after, you know, so we've hydrated all day and now it's cooling off. And so it's kind of starting to balance some of that. Up. Also, the other thing is your body. You know, we, we tend to have all you know, you got to balance the electrolytes, but sometimes that you know, like the ramen has so much salt in it, yeah. And it's like, oh, how do you balance all that? I remember there's one chunk, one ramen uh, had an aid station, and it was just like, they didn't mix it up, <laughs> it was <you laughs> eating chunks of salt, basically. yeah. And, and you know, and that's if your body's flushing some of that stuff out and using that, right? Fluid Get rid of that. So it's it's trying to figure some of that balance out too, and it it, it, t- it takes a lot of work, you know. And t- you know, I talked to somebody, our you know our, uh, the our, uh, I want to say I think she's our head registered dietitian coach, and mm-hmm. you know she's like, sounds like you're drinking too much, <laughs> you know. So, but it, that's the first thing I would check. So yeah, but yeah, similar. You know, I've I've talked to a lot of people with that
1: too. Yeah, and we we talked to a, a couple of other runners. On the course, and we're like, man, like we're stopping like every 15, 20 15 minutes. To minutes, yeah. yeah, And the other people were like, yeah, we are too. Like this is, uh, the guy was like, I just quit drinking. This is ridiculous.
2: So was it a hit, huge temperature swing? Was it warmer uh, during the day,
1: cool cooler? I think it went from like it it went from, I want to say like fifty five, to uh, it went to the winter was below freezing.
2: Okay, so.
0: Whenever it's that cold, I think in the back half of a race as well, we aren't as cognizant of how much we've slowed down because the the effort still feels so high, um, yeah. but you're not actually putting out as much work as you usually are. So your sweat rate can drop to pretty um, abysmally low levels. And so I think if in the future, if you are peeing in like two, three times an hour, that's definitely a piece of evidence to say, okay, I can, I can back off a little bit. Um, you know, there's a lot of complicated mechanisms for exactly how your body chooses to hold on to water during races and things can get a bit out of whack, but, um, you know, you still got to trust that you're not direly dehydrated and peeing a bunch, you know, unless there's some sort of like greater issue going on. But, um, I would listen to that evidence back off a little bit. And if it's cold and near the end of the race, I mean, you can be sweating very, very little.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, also, I, we walked the last fifteen miles, I would say at least, and so you're not you're not sweating at like at all
2: at thirty mm-hmm. degrees. So there's also uh, some cold diuresis. So when it gets really, really cold outside, you ever notice if you step outside for a run and like two minutes later, it's like it's really cold. I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> that's what your body is, you know, w- is trying to consolidate that blood. And yeah. so it's like, all right, we're going we're gonna to get rid of some of this fluid. Um, so that's another thing that happens too, probably with that temperature swing. It's like, oh, okay. It's yeah. another part of it.
1: There's So many moving pieces and
0: when
2: you're running that long. I'll tell you.
0: <laughs> when... When we're talking about getting you under 21 hours, so yeah, we have those improvements to make a bit. Aid stations, I'm not sure if you feel that there's a lot of room for improvement there and we can talk about that. Um, But also, I know you sent us over um, your proposed training plan. And like you said, you do a lot of kind of zone three runs where they're all just probably a little bit too hard Um, because you can. If you're not doing intensity, you can kind of get away with running all of your runs decently Um, decently hard. So part of what you're going to do is introduce some intensity. And I want to talk about that a little bit as well. But first, maybe touch on the aid stations. And is there any big low-hanging fruit there?
1: I would say the biggest was um, I was not planning. uh, Well, first of all, I committed the cardinal sin and wore new shoes uh, with like 20 miles on the first loop. And it was terrible. I was like, I got to get out of these shoes. So I changed those shoes and I wouldn't have had to. Um, and, but it was just so muddy. I, I changed shoes three times. And so to me, um, I think I could probably shave 15 or 20 minutes just in shoe changing, you know, um, but I was pretty good about getting in and out of there otherwise. Um, and the other thing is like, you know, I was going for a complete, like there was no, there was no driving force for any kind of time. So I think having that, there's a bit of a, bit more of a motivator, right? Okay. I got to be in and out of here. Um, I had some, you know, other goals for time, but I was like, you know, primarily I just wanted to get over that finish line. I, w- I wanted the flannel shirt and I wanted the buckle. So I don't think I, I, I have been thinking about, okay, how do I want these aid stations to go? And I, I do have two, I'm fortunate enough to have two vests. And so I've thought about like giving my wife the vest and be like, Hey, instead of like changing out my bottles, just give me the vest and I'll grab the vest and go. So
0: that's a great strategy and can save you a lot of time as well.
1: Yeah. So I, I, I think there's definitely, I could probably shave an, there's probably easy hour between the shoe changes and other things, but um, yeah, I'm cognizant that it, it it's a place where you, you can be a time suck. So I plan to have a strategy for that.
0: And you are quite fit. So like in the past races, the fitness wasn't really the limiting factor, Um, but you've made a lot of improvements in the mental space. Um, You've been running for quite a few years consistently. Um, Having some more um, stratification of the intensity of your runs is going to be what gets you to the next level. Um, So I like that you're going to introduce speed work more effectively. And that's going to be a huge piece of the puzzle is, is now attacking fitness more than maybe was the priority before. Um, and you did send over the training plan and I kind of want to start with how you built it out and then see if Neil has any thoughts on the training plan as well.
1: Yeah. So, um, over Christmas break, I got Coop's guide to altar running and I read that and then I kind of, I kind of winged it from there. So I I've, I've just always done like I'm going to go out, and I'm going to run and it I I I ended up in zone 3. I don't know if Garmin load is how you know what people's stock put in that, but consistently like when I would Zero. Hit, Okay. Well, um when I would hit like a big week, my load would my load would be anywhere from 1600 to 2000. Pretty cons- like if I'm doing 65 miles, my load would show pretty huge. Um, I just did a 65 mile week last week and I added my load was like 800. Um, So I have like these, these zone two runs. And I was listening to one of your earlier podcasts and a a lady there talked about the ADPP all day party pace. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I've been, I've been enjoying these like zone two runs. And what I did this year was instead of going for miles, I switched to time. So I, I'm, I'm just going to go for time on my feet and whatever mileage I get, I get. Um, so I don't know if this thing's worth anything, um, but I tried to do some periodization with some tempo. This was the first time I've done speed work since Adam made me do it last year a little bit. And when I first started it, I was like, I felt like when I had just gotten into running, this is stupid. Why do people do this? This is painful. There's no uh, no reason, but when I finished it, I was kind of like, "Oh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of sad that period of intervals is over. Like, I'm gonna miss you, friend. Like, um, so now this is a rest week. The one thing I, and I probably need to reread the book, but like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing in rest week, right? So I've just been doing all zone two work pretty much this week, um, and maybe I'll add in a little quicker." Uh, quicker run sometime to get the heart rate up, but next month or next week starts tempo. And then I sprinkled some intervals back in later just to, I don't want to lose it. Um, but I've been trying to be intentional in building up my weekly average and uh, vertical gain per mile for Orca. And then Orca is going to be 250 feet per mile. And then I'm quickly dropping that back down for IT, which is going to be about a hundred feet a mile.
0: And, in- I'm assuming, um, or I think you mean Kettle Moraine, correct? I of IT? Uh,
1: yes, Kettle. Yes, not going back to IT. Cool. Love the volunteers, but I will not see you again.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that Kettle Moraine is the number one goal, since that's where you're trying to qualify, correct?
1: Yeah, so there's the Orca is the, hey, I don't want to go run quest, so I want a similar quest experience to just be like, yes, I have that mental game done. That's gone. And then kettle is the, is the primary goal for Athlon.
0: Well, then I would consider, um, you're building up the elevation gain to match the profile of Orca Island. And then you only have a little over a month until kettle Moraine, knowing that kettle Moraine is the bigger goal. I would split the difference a bit and maybe not go in optimally prepared, for, um, Orca cause a month to switch from a pretty mountainous race to a pretty runnable race, that's not quite yeah. enough time. I would, I would maybe split the difference there and find yourself running mm-hmm. in the 150 ish mile or feet of gain per mile range.
1: Okay. Yeah, I did. I did notice like when I was training for uh quest and then I switched like you get so used to kind of like hiking those hills you're not your body's not used to running for those long extended period of periods of time so much
0: absolutely it's a huge change and uh just to mention too i think if anyone looked at your strava they'd have no idea you live in a pretty flat area because you you can get some serious in when you put your head to it
1: i i recently found a uh a, we got a pretty good pretty good great running community out here um, and there's this Hill by the zoo out here, and they keep it. It's cement, but they keep it, you know, ice salted. Uh, so there's never any ice, sure. and so we were doing hill repeats. You get about two hundred feet per mile. So that's been a it's been a fun new joy I've found.
0: Cool. Well, Neil, when you looked over the training plan, if you got a chance to, um, do you have any high level thoughts on it?
2: Uh, you know, I, and I like your point about the elevation. Um, I know Kettle Moraine can be deceivingly hilly too. So it's kind of nice to kind of balance that out still. Um, and, you know, for some reason I thought uh, when I saw Orca 50, 50, I thought, oh, it's the Orca that's coming up in late February. And I was like, wait a second, I'm looking at the dates now. The one, the one comment that I would have, you know, and just kind of thinking about it is looking at the intervals, uh, the running intervals that you have, kind of scattered all all the way up almost to within two weeks of the race may not be something you necessarily need um i like to think um of steady state runs definitely during this period as gold the you know that is i i love steady state runs i put those intervals in more so for you know as an athlete ages and we're talking a lot older you know we're talking closer to my age. Um, I'll put some of those in. I'll scatter those about because we tend to fade it a lot quicker. Um, you, you're 30. Is that correct, Chris? 38. 38. Uh, no, sorry, 39. So 39. Okay. Yeah. You're still under 40. So yeah. I I think, you know it, you know, especially when your volume is really, really high, that's a lot of intensity, even though you do it for one day. You could more optimally put in some steady state runs in there, and you know I don't I don't rule out intervals. Like I, I come from a marathoning background, and I'm like addicted to them, <laughs> so that's a yeah. whole different story. But marathoners need a lot of that. Um, ultra runners, we could have it in the front end, you know, early on, like you did this month, and then back off of it. And really focusing, and I the steady state runs, and I'm I'm actually doing a lot of steady state right now, and it's it's gold. Um, but then you know after this, you know you, you've got some a brief rest here, and Hennepin isn't for you know a long time. You might be able to recycle that through again a little bit, you know, to kind of work yeah. on that speed, especially with Hennepin being such a flat race. It's kind of nice. Okay, let's work on some of that. Um, you know, yeah, that's, that's my, you know, my only feedback on that, especially I think when you think about volume, you know, lose some of that intensity because that's, that's where it gets a little, you get into that danger zone, you know, injury yeah. risk. So,
1: so if you're doing a tempo or steady, straight, steady state run, you know, like in the book, I think there was like during steady state, you might do a two times 20 during a three hour run, Right. So it, 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 my understanding is, so you do 20 minutes of a steady state mixed into this three hour twice, correct?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. so, you know, you know, if you could do, I like layer, you know, you know there's different philosophies on it. Um, you know, I like doing, a, you know, sometimes towards the start. So you warm up and then you get it. But a lot of times it's like, well, where's the hill? <laughs> you know, I like getting them on a hill too. So Absolutely. And, and as I also sometimes will throw them in a little bit later. Just to kind of get that, you know, familiarity more coming from the mental side of it, of yeah. I could push myself later in this race and, you know, your body, you get this knowledge of like, oh, I can, I could do this. I do this a lot more so with marathoners. Um, cause later in the stages, later in the race, you want to be able to hold that faster pace, but you still want to push your effort for you thinking about your goals, you know, getting under 21 hours. That might be helpful, but you know, two by 20, I also, yeah, two by 40s. You could build it like 40, 30. You know, you could do it all sorts of different ways, you know, but thinking about, yeah. When you're not
1: doing the, you know, when you're not in that 20 or 40 minute period, are you dropping
2: back down to zone two? Zone two you know, zone two, zone one, you know, endurance, even just kind of, you know, that recovery effort, you know, come back down to it. You're going down a hill. You don't need to push it down the hill. You know, you're going to, you don't gain a lot by going fast down the hill. You know, you gain it more as you're going up. Yeah.
1: I sucked it up and I've been very adamantly against spending a hundred dollars on a chest strap. But I have now been using that because, um, and I know heart rate's not the end all be all RPEs better. But I'm also like, I'm so new to not just going out there and winging it. Like I was like, I need some frame of reference to know what my
2: intensity is. Yeah, I've got an, I've got an athletes just like that. You know, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I do that myself. I wear, you know, I'm, a, I'm so addicted to wearing my heart straight. I can't take it off half the time. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, wait a second, where is it? Where is it? And um, but that kind of, you know, OK, what is what's my RP feel like? What is my heart rate? And it's really good information because sometimes your heart rate's a lot higher and your, your RPEs are like in that five or six. And it's like, okay, I could go, at, you know, if I was just going by heart rate, I'd slow down a lot, but really yeah. I feel really good. And so why aren't I running that? You know? And so again, it's kind of, you know, you know you've know, you got that physiology that's you know, right there. That's you know, this information I'm, gonna, I'm looking at it and go, Oh, wait a second. I should slow down. Ah, You don't have to, if, you, if you're, you feel good, go for
0: it. And one word of warning there is that you're going to find a lot of difficulty finding a heart rate um, to target during the the really high intensity VO2 max or running intervals, whatever you call them. Um, because if you look at the heart rate profile of someone that's doing those correctly, it's going to spike up through each one and eventually they kind of get higher and higher. And you'll actually see they're spending a lot of time technically in the heart rate zone of, you know, thresholdy work. In um, it's one of those areas where just the responsive heart rate is not quick enough to give you the info you need. So I'd say for threshold and steady state, it does have a bit more utility. Um, and as far as the running intervals, you just got to run them as hard as you can, and then. Um, as hard as you're able to for all of them, and then you can look back on the data and say, "Oh, did I fade a ton on the last few then I'm gonna start a little easier next time and go through that process and eventually you'll find yourself in the ballpark
1: yeah yeah i'm I'm very um interested to see how these like tempos and steady states go because um being in Michigan like the the biggest the biggest hill we have is like two hundred feet, right. So I'm just repeating that or I'm going on these rolling hills and then it's like, well, it's a little harder to maintain something when you're not able to go straight up. Or I mean, you can do that on the treadmill, but then you don't get the benefits of going down.
2: Right. Right. I actually, you know, it, it compared to probably a lot of ultra runners, I don't know, but I use, I use the treadmill a lot for my steady state runs just because, you know, it's going to take me. Another 30 minutes to get to some good hills. 20 minutes to get some good hills, and then I've got a lot of work I'm doing, so I'm coming back here, and so I'll just get on the treadmill and and uh, and worry about the downhill like on my long run. So my you know weekend long run, then I'll get I'll be able to get what I need on the downhill, um, and so really being able to concentrate on that, I, I have found that can be helpful if you have access to it and if you like it. You know, some people just don't like the treadmill, so. I I don't mind the the treadmill, but I mean,
1: I have a six hours steady, steady state on here. What's the longest you spend on a treadmill,
2: Neil? No, no, not that one. (laughs) I will do that. I will do it on my long runs. So that's, and that, and and it differs out here. My long runs, I can drive to the hills and get that. But but it's okay to go up and down. You're going to find that. I mean, I had a two by 40 minute steady state, you know, this last spring and, you know i got to 20 minutes and i was at the crest of the hill and the next 20 minutes was downhill and i just you know tried to maintain that effort as, as much as i could um you know and it wasn't as you know it wasn't a super steep downhill but it was still going at a higher effort you know otherwise yeah, yeah i couldn't yeah, there was no other hill to find so Yeah.
0: And Chris, very few athletes that I work with and I'm sure Neil works with actually have access to a hill that's long enough to properly do your tempo or steady state workouts. It's a really common predicament. So you do have to kind of find that balance. Like some days you use the treadmill, but like you said, if it's a really long session um, or you're trying to also get the downhill benefit and layer that in, then do it out on more rolling terrain one of the bigger things we're trying to avoid is, um, during tempos specifically, you just can't quite hit the intensity that you want to on the downhill. And it's going to have a lot of risk involved. Um, steady state, it gets even more relaxed where I've kind of heard the guideline of up to 25%. You can include on some, you know, light downhills, and then you're kind of getting that in and, you know, we're not big on, downhill repeats and toughening up the legs but um you know just realistically with the terrain management that's going to be part of it and it is nice to get a little bit of that downhill stimulus especially if you're um if you're training for a 21 hour 100 that's a lot of running in that 100 and you need those little extra bits of toughness
1: yeah with the down rest weeks are you guys just doing like is a is a pullback week just all zone two,
2: zone two, zone one. You know, recovery. You know, was like, this is my this is my recovery week, and uh, it's you know, okay, forty. You know, I do bike and run. So like yesterday, super easy, forty-five minute bike, not breathing heavy at all. Today's a forty-five minute run, just super super easy. Um, and you know, and then a full rest day. Um, you know, really, I try to emphasize to athletes is taking care of aches and pains, and because you know that you're going to start loading it up, your biggest load will be that first week back, and so take care of yourself right now. It's like, you know, if, if you need to kind of, uh, you know, dial it back a little bit more, dial it back a little bit more, uh, you know, it, you know, it is an opportunity for your body. To get stronger, you're not losing anything. You you know this yeah. is that that moment where it's like yeah, just take it easy. You know, uh, still go out. I know there's some folks that even if they stop, if they stop completely. You know, that's that could be an issue. Then you tighten up and everything. You go out, yeah. do those, but you know, keep it low effort. You know, no intensity. You know, I, I might have some people do some strides once in a while, but that's again more my marathon or something. Uh,
0: some of that fast sure. work just take it easy. Yep. I completely agree with that. And one thing, well, there's just not a lot of structure out there for exactly how to program a recovery week. So I'm so glad you asked that question because I think it is, it's kind of vague and maybe intentionally. So, um, you know, you kind of remove the intensity, you might drop volume if you're in a running interval phase, sometimes you just remove the intensity. And then it's already, you know, a pretty low volume week for you. Um, so it's really not too stressful. But, you know, other than that, you know, maybe a 60 to 80% of your usual volume and you cut out the intensity. And then as you progress, um, you know, sometimes it's not even a full week. Um, sometimes between certain phases, it's three or four days off if we're kind of trying to push someone. and um, But what I wanted to get at with the training plan is that I think... Like you said, you don't have a long, rich history of um, including some of this higher intensity work. I think it looks a little bit aggressive on my end. Um, And I think it's kind of coming back to the same all or nothing mentality where I think you want to do it um, in a really grand fashion, which I appreciate. Um, But I think with the idea that you haven't done this for the last 10 years, if you keep it super basic, you're going to get all the benefits. So, you know, two workouts a week. Um, honestly, if you go back to some of the structure that we worked with previously, um, you could kind of just repeat a lot of that. Cause I, I think I had you somewhere kind of in just the, the very basic, like, Hey, we're getting into speed work area. And I think that's where you're going to see a ton of benefit. And you could, you could make mistakes by accidentally trying to go full throttle out of nowhere and, you know, all of a sudden you're doing um like elite levels of, of speed work, even though you are quite fit and experienced. Um just speed work is kind of a new thing. Yeah, you don't you don't have to convince me to back off the speed work. I didn't like it that much. Well, perfect. You have my permission to to dial it back yeah. a little bit from what I see on the schedule. I appreciate that. Would you
1: consider a uh, is a steady state and an endurance run? Are those considered would you call that a workout? Or when we say workout, are we primarily for referring to tempo and intervals?
0: It's also a great question, and people yes. use them interchangeably. Personally, when I say workout, I kind of do mean some structured session with higher intensity. Gotcha. Um, and, and yes, steady state would certainly fit in that. Anything that's not like an endurance or recovery run where we're really targeting something specifically, that's kind of personally what I use. But you know, just like the word tempo, I'm sure every coach kind of uses that differently. Mm-hmm awesome. Cool. Well, you got some great questions. Is there anything else you want to tackle?
1: No, I mean, you guys, um, you guys answered all my questions, uh, really appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to pick your brains. And, uh, like I said, I just threw this together over Christmas break and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but this seems like, uh, seems like it, it it can't be worse than what I've, I have been doing. So I appreciate the feedback and, uh, probably got a little ahead of myself in, uh, in the intensity in this schedule. So thank you.
2: Good stuff, Chris. Have a lot of fun at Kettle Moraine and, uh, and Hennepin. Have you run either of those? You, you haven't, have you been in that part of, uh, Wisconsin before? I have not. I'm, uh, okay. I'm, I'm,
1: I'm excited to, um, the, the vast majority of all my races have all been in Michigan. So I'm excited to okay. experience, uh, some other places across the country.
2: Yeah. To, yeah, you know, totally different, definitely, totally different races. I've had athletes, I have one athlete doing kettleber and I'm familiar with the area I'm from the Chicago area, um, okay. originally. And, uh, you know, I had opportunities to go up there. I didn't get a chance to run up there, but, and Hennepin, I had an athlete run Hennepin a couple of years ago and that's, that's flat and fast. And, and you know, yeah. and that, I hear it's a party, of them. yeah, total party, a L- lot of fun, both of those. So, um, have a blast. You know, and, and and great work, you know, just, you know, kind of moving through some of that stuff that was going on, you know, that stuff that's pushing you around, you know, I love hearing, you know, this, the success that you're having and how you've been able to, you know, overcome that and, and really focus on what you enjoy and what you want and, and putting, you know, and not letting this stuff stop you and keep going for it. So I'm really psyched to hear that. I appreciate absolutely.
0: that. Absolutely. Yeah, when I saw the the 100 pop up on Strava, I was just so happy for you man. So keep it up. All right. Thank you to Neil and Chris for joining us today. I was absolutely thrilled with that conversation. I'm really glad just to see Chris having so much success and can't wait to see what else he can do. I also want to thank Chris for coming on here and being so open about his struggles. I think anxiety in relation to ultra running affects a lot of runners and it's not very well discussed even though there is a recent push um, to be a bit more open about mental health in relation to ultra running. You don't always hear as much on the anxiety side. Even if it's not necessarily a a clinical level, I know a lot of athletes that even I work with, You know, they can be terrified of running at night by themselves and other challenges associated with ultras. So I hope we can all apply this to something in our own training and racing. Also, thank you to Neil for joining us. He's quite busy balancing coaching and his practice outside of coaching, Um, but I'm glad he made the time to come on and fill in the blanks on the areas I'm just simply not trained in. If you're loving this show, please reach out and let me know, In, you can also give us a rating or review or share it with a friend. I'm glad you all could join us, and I'll see you next time.